Life can be tough. We're busy. Don't have time. I'm overwhelmed. We're binging. I don't have time. I'm overwhelmed. We're bruised. I, I need it. I don't have time. I'm overwhelmed. I can't help it. I We're what bothered. What's next? We've got baggage. I, can't I don't have time. We're bewildered. I can't forget. What now? What's next? What's next? The new normal. Do you ever feel like your life sort of has those glitches in it like that every now and then? You know, you're just going along in real life and all of a sudden static comes busting in. It's like, wow, this is, this is new for me. I, I haven't ever tried that before. Let me, let me just read to you what Kathleen Parker, who's a columnist, uh, wrote about this idea of the new normal. Across much of the media lately, the phrase new normal keeps cropping up to describe what is, in fact, not normal, as most sane adults have understood its meaning. This is to say that everyday machinations and human behaviors typical within a healthy, robust society have shifted gears to evolved and evolved, but not in a good way, to accommodate new circumstances. The new normal is something that happens in a culture that is quickly changing. Let me give you just an example. How many of you have a job where you offered to do something for a few days and it became your full-time responsibility? You know, hey, I'll make coffee this week. Okay, you just got a job for life, right? And now no one makes coffee unless it's you. So it's kind of it's that thing where we evolve into a culture and a society and all of a sudden what used to be either not just taboo but possibly taboo but possibly uncomfortable or not reasonable, now it's just accepted. It's just, just the new normal. This is what everybody does and no one questions it and that's just how it is. So we're ta- today we're talking about busyness. What does it mean to be busy? I laughed I told Bonnie this week, I said, God has a sense of humor because I, I have pretty good like measuring points in my life and, and I have days when I'm calculated and I do a pretty good job with my calendar, I really do, with the help of a lot of other people. But this week, oh my goodness, I have just, I have just been insane. It's just like I've had something every night, all day, every day, and I was coming into the weekend going, God, you have got to help me because I have been so busy. And he said, hey, why don't you read your notes? <laughs> right. But not all my weeks are like that. So I'm in it with you. That's The whole reason I even told you that was I'm in this with you. I, I struggle sometimes with trying to do the right things, the important things. How do you prioritize these things? And I just am prayerful that today God will really help us to stop doing some things, to to not try to be busy. And I'd like to start out by just stopping all things. Just put your pen down, put your note down, close your eyes, and let's just not be busy for just just a few moments. Go ahead. Okay, that's about all I can take. Um, right? 
we, we're, just, we're just not wired to be quiet. To, plus, you came here today expecting worship and, and teaching, and, and you don't want to just, you can, if you were just going to sit, you would just stay home, right? So, so let's talk. Let's get some stuff out there where we can really think about this. I, I sort of want to just start with this idea of the good old days, number one in your outline. And these would just be some reflection thoughts before we really dive into the heart of some of the things that I really want to say. But we have to at least acknowledge when people say the good old days, what do they really mean? First of all, I'm not sure they were all that great. <laughs> some of you who have lived in those good old days would probably agree with me. But when people say how I remember the good old days, they're probably thinking of something that's fond to them that they liked about the good old days. It doesn't always mean that they liked everything in the good old days. As a matter of fact, I think the good old days as a whole is pretty much a myth. I can't even imagine. I, uh, my grandma and grandpa had a farm in Kansas, and every summer we would go there, and we would spend quite a bit of time. Sometimes our parents would drop us off and go to some conference or something, and we'd be there for a few weeks, and my grandma and grandpa just kind of, we just were weaved right into their everyday life, and we were bucking hay and doing the, the pigs and the chickens and all the stuff they had going and, and not running water, and I remember this big tank that kept, caught all the rainwater, and, and I remember when we, she washed clothes on this thing, that she moved the clothes up and down on this board. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You going to do that? Okay. Um, and then she had the coolest thing of all. And it had a handle on it, and it had two white rollers. And you would put your shirt in there, you'd get it started, and then you would, you would turn it, and it would squeeze all the water out. And it, it would come out wrinkle-free. <laughs> some of you have been there, I can tell. No, it was so much fun, though, as a kid, because I didn't, I, you know, I just... But how far back do you want to go? No running water? Was that fun? No hot water? No heat, no air conditioning, no transportation except walking, Pony Express mail delivery, no Amazon package delivery. Some of you wouldn't make it a week. <laughs> no microwave, no oven, no refrigerator. Do you realize how important refrigeration is to the world when it comes to food? I mean, it's a huge thing. No big screen TV. No cell phone. <laughs> I like that one. No Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, no trash pickup, no electricity. How far back do you want to go? But there's some positive things. And so, so I hear people, when they talk about the positive things, it's stuff like, we used to take a Sunday afternoon drive. And I remember as a kid going, what is that? Well, you just get in the car and drive around. Just drive around? Well, where are you going? We're not going anywhere. We're just driving around. Well, I don't want to go. <laughs> Please don't make me go. It was the idea of doing nothing. It was the idea of not having a, something all planned out. We're just going to drive up here to the park. We're just going to get out. We might get some chicken. We might sit on a blanket. We might just enjoy nature, but we're not going to plan it. We might eat some real food that we grew out of the garden. I remember as a kid playing outside till dark, and I never once thought that I would be abducted. Scary. I mean, we're living in a crazy day. 
Think about the good old days and those changes. I do remember when gas was 18 cents a gallon. I think people, yeah, the good old days. I think most of the time, though, the good old days, when we talk about them, we sort of have selective memory. We pick what we like. But one thing is for sure about the good old days. We did not have the information that we have today. We had less to process in our minds. Think about this. We had less congestion. We didn't have the thought. I mean, when I think now of getting on I-25, I just already get stressed. I don't care what time of day it is. There's going to be a problem. It's just, it's just how it is. I, I mean, we've made it. Our culture has just gotten busy with so many different things. We have more opinions. We have more people that are more vocal and they're angry and they're pushy and people aren't patient and they, they don't mind telling you to get out of the way. I, I, I think of even just going to a restaurant. I sat down at a restaurant the other day. The server came and plopped a book in front of me. It was this thick. And I'm like, Bonnie, are you getting the salmon? Are you getting the what? And I just kept going. I'm like, I don't know what to get. I am so stressed out right now. I just, you decide for me, right? Or man, just try to order a coffee. Have you ever been in line in one of these coffee places? And someone reels off that what they order? I, I had our barista uh, last night came and told me, this is a drink that someone in here orders. This is a real drink. I'm not making this up. Large, iced, half-calf, the shot of decaf, white chocolate mocha with one pump of hazelnut, almond milk, whipped cream, caramel drizzle on top. I thought they were speaking in tongues when they were saying all that. I, I didn't even know what they were talking about. I need the interpretation. Can I get some coffee with that? All right, let's talk about all this today. Really important stuff. Number two in your outline we are making a choice every day. Now, this is something that I really want you to think about. You and I have the same amount of time every day of our lives. We don't have the same income level. We don't have the same amount of kids. We don't live in the same neighborhoods. There's tons of stuff that's different about us. But there's one thing that pulls all human beings together. We all have the same amount of time. So you've got to own up to the fact that you're doing whatever you're doing with your time because you chose it. You say, well, no, my job demands it. Well, you chose that job. No, it chose me. No, you chose it. The sooner you can get your head around that, now I'm not saying you should quit at all. I'm just saying you made a decision. So it's going to push you into a corner one way or the other. Now I'm going to read you a story that I'm not super comfortable with. And I'll explain why, especially in light of this particular topic. Luke 10, verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing, I love this part, she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here? Now, some of you have an edge on you right here today, don't you? Yeah. 
my sister just sits here, and, and this is funny because, because she's, she's venting, while I do all the work, and I think that's true. I, it says it in the text, Mary was sitting there while Martha was doing all the work, so she's not exaggerating. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha. Some translations, it's two times. Martha, Martha, which is an endearing thing, meaning, hey, listen carefully to my heart here for you. You are worried and upset over all these details, but there's really only one thing worth being con- you being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and this will never be taken away from her. I got to tell you, if I'm having Jesus over to my house for dinner, I'm hiring Martha, not Mary. How many of you are with me on that? I'm hiring Martha. I, I like get it done people. I do. And, and she, she was getting it done. Here's the thing that most people don't understand about this text. And, and, and I think this helps a lot. Martha understood that this was a one-time moment. I mean, Mary understood it was a one-time moment. M- Mary sensed something was happening in Jesus that we may not get this chance again. And it's caused me and Bonnie to talk about in this passage, because it bugs her too, to recognize Jesus in other passages really commended hard work. But here's what he's saying. He's saying, You need to live your life with enough discernment to understand those one moment moments. I never missed our kids' first birthday. Probably all their birthdays because it happens one time. I would love for you to figure out what are the three things that happen one time in your next year. We don't talk about this a lot, but Bonnie and I, we got married super young, like 19 and 18. We we had just turned 20 and and 19. And just a few months ago, we celebrated our 40-year anniversary. That's a one-time event. No, you don't have to clap. That's a one-time event, and baby, we did it upright, let me tell you. Why? Because... It's a one-time thing. I don't know if I have another year on this earth. You don't know if you have another year on this earth. But we don't do that every day. Oh, this might be the last day. You know, people who, people who say that are not realistic. Not realistic. But this was a one-time moment, and Jesus said, you know what? Mary got it right because she sensed that I'm going to be taken away. I'm not going to be here forever. And sometimes our busy lives get so busy we forget to think about the one-time moments. Where are they? Do you have one coming up? Will you celebrate it? Will you do a good job with it? How will I make choices that relate to how busy I am? Here's some questions to consider. Now just think about these. Ponder on these. Do I need to appear busy in order to feel rewarded and worthy and valued? How many of you would say our culture rewards busyness? I think it does. You talk to people, how's it going? Oh, I'm so busy. Man, that my work, they've got me doing all these assignments, and I'm traveling over here next week, and I'm excited about it, but I'm the leader of this project. And man, everybody goes. 
you know, I wonder what would happen if we said, how you doing? And they go, oh, pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm all rested up and feeling good. And, you know, work is fine, but it's not overly stressful. And, you know, we'd probably say, well, find something more for that person to do. <laughs> do I connect being busy with success? These are just little questions that you need to have rolling around in your brain. And be honest about it. Be honest about it. Do I stay busy to snuff out the quietness in my life because it reminds me of other stuff in my life? Do you ever have it just totally quiet, like going to the garage or car? How many of you, when it's too quiet, you just have to have music on or something? Yeah. I, I'm kind of like that. I, I like a little bit of something going on. Why? Why? Do I feel guilty when I don't have anything to do? Do I feel guilty when I can just sit in a chair and not do anything? What am I choosing to do with my time? Here's another big question. All these are just to get you thinking. Was Jesus busy? <laughs> Careful. I won't make you choose, okay? It's probably a yes and no, you know. Um, well, but I will tell you this. We don't hear from Jesus till he's 12. He's just a kid growing up. Nothing in the Bible. There's nothing said about him. Then when he's 12, he's in the temple talking to the smart people, the theologians. So he's been studying. We know that. And then, and then he goes silent again until he's 30. What was his career? Anybody remember? He was a carpenter, which in that culture probably meant more like a stonemason. Okay? So... So from 12 to 30, do we read anything? I mean, I don't know. Did he have any big ambitious dreams? Is it, you know, Jesus takes Jerusalem, has the biggest carpenter shop in the city? You know, no. There's nothing. There's nothing that would insinuate to us that he was a busy guy, more busy than anyone else. I think he's preparing, he's learning, he's doing his job but he's not living stressed out. And we need to really pay attention to that. Now, when he turned 30, he got a little more busy. He started traveling around. He started picking those 12 disciples and healing people and moving from village to village. So a lot of stuff started happening in his life. But even then, you can read in the Gospels. There's one town he went to, as a matter of fact, where he did some miracles and the whole village came out to see him and he told his disciples, I'm going to go spend some time on the mountain with my father. And he goes away. He walks away from the crowd. And he's gone like all night long and the disciples are going crazy. And they finally, in the morning, he shows up and they're like, Master, the whole town is up waiting for you to get back. And Jesus is like, oh, that, that's nice. Let's go to the next town. He didn't even go back for the book signing. He, he didn't. He, just, he was not moved by that. He had a mission and he went to it. And I think it's very important that we pay attention to what's going on really in our lives and in our minds. In 1940, in America, a law was passed that said the work week is 40 hours. And you had a break and it was regimented. Here's the problem. In 1940, most people had labor-type jobs. They went to work. They punched a clock. Most of you today, some of you still do that, but most of you today, 
you can work from home, you can work from somewhere else, you're in and out, you travel, you, it's a 24-7, you're connected 24-7. And you're expected to respond to that email. You're expected to have that phone with you so you can respond. See, so what's happened is it's very hard to monitor when I'm resting, when I'm working, when am I busy, when am I a dad, a mom, what am I doing? I can't just stop all that. Our culture has 24-7 jobs. And the stage of life you're in really matters. Some of you might be retired going, yeah, I have more time than I've ever had before. That's wonderful. However, I've met so many retired people that say to me, I don't know how I ever had a job because I'm so busy. You know, if you, we have a lot of kids in, at Timberline and a lot of young families, and I love that. Some of you right now that are in the thick of it, Moms and dads, and you've got, you know, two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, you got this uh, kids running around. You know, you, you can't, Mom, just all of a sudden you, you just kind of, you just look at your kids, you sit them down and you say, oh, I have just finished my 40 hours. <laughs> I am so sorry, but it's only Thursday. So there's some food in the fridge. Have a nice weekend. <laughs> Please don't do that. Stage of life. There's busy times. There's responsibilities. Those responsibilities shift. Make every day count with your time. Number three in your outline. Here we go. Don't confuse busyness with results. Don't confuse busyness with results. Some people think if I'm busy, I'm getting something done. Just might be absolutely the opposite of that. You might be busy getting nothing done. So monitor the results. You know one thing I loved growing up in high school? I started construction. And me and my friend actually had our own company just out of college. And then through college, I paid my way through college building houses. And I absolutely loved that job. And I'll tell you why. I loved it because at the end of the day, I could look at it and say, I built that. I did that today. I got that done today. I remember having years of that. And my first job as a youth pastor, you know, at the end of the day, I've met with three teenagers. And I'm driving home going, I accomplished nothing today. Now, was I planting seeds? Yeah. Was I trying? Yeah. But you don't see the fruit. Some of you have jobs like my job. You don't see the fruit of your labor. But you keep doing it. You keep sowing seeds. You keep trusting God. I'll tell you, I'll give you a little project this week that will get you a feel for this. Take a nice, comfortable chair that you love and go to one of our beautiful parks here in northern Colorado, Fort Collins, wherever you live, and, and just pull that chair up and point it right at a tree and sit there for 15 minutes and just watch that tree grow. <laughs> Try it. You know what will happen? You won't see it grow. But you have the knowledge that it has grown. Why? Because it's big. It didn't get big. It didn't start big. It grew over a lot of years. But something was happening in the ground for that tree to be growing. You just can't see it. That's how our lives are. 
You don't just all of a sudden wake up and you're overloaded and anxiety hits you and you have a heart attack or you curl up in a, in a ball because you can't move. You make decisions every day and build patterns in your life that either allow you to understand rest and the power of rest and casting your cares on God or you get overwhelmed and your life is going to end. And we see it. Mental health is a huge issue in our culture today, more than any other time in history that I've ever seen it. This whole series is about mental health. Next weekend, we're looking at binging. You say, well, I don't binge. I bet you do. Now, it might not be on something that's horrible or horrific or you're embarrassed about, but there's ways that you have to escape from real life. And we're going to talk all about that. Busyness is a part of that problem. What are some of the results that I should go for? Let me just quickly, um, I, I'll, I'm not even going to give you all these, but I, I have like four things in my life that I, I've had for a long time. One of them is faithfulness to my commitments. So I want to see results at the end of my life, the end of my day, the end of my week. Was, was I faithful to my commitments? Being God, was I faithful as a husband, a dad, a grandparent, the calling on my life from God and Timberline Church. That's actually right on my list. Have I been faithful this week? Have I been faithful this month? Those things are results. Those are measurable results for me. Honesty to myself and others. That's another one I have. Integrity and character in public and in private. That's another one I have. Because if you have integrity and character in your life, whether you're in public or whether you're in, in, in private, then you're good to go you're going to have some strengths that you don't care whether people see or recognize. You don't need them a lot of attaboys because you're living for God. You're living for a different audience than everyone else. And then another one I have is to serve God and to serve others. I don't want to live my life for me. I honestly don't. I want to take time for me. I want to be healthy. I'll tell you this, and I don't know that I've ever said this before. One of the goals that I have, and my family knew it and Bonnie knows it, is that when I come into a weekend when I'm speaking, I'm going to walk in Saturday night rested. That's very important to me. I take Fridays off because of that. I want to be full. I want to walk up here and have a full tank and have real energy and not have to fake anything and have something to offer because you're coming depending on that. Now, it's God, it's the Spirit that does the work, and I get that. But what do you have when you walk into your world of teaching or training or work or office? Are you coming in there empty and drained and you need a break from the first hour you start? Or are you walking in there saying, I'm on full. How can I spend my day? How can I help? Well, how can I make this place better? Why? Because I'm healthy. I'm not dreading my day. These are important components for you to let the light of God shine. You say, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. It's very spiritual. If you're running on empty, you're not going to help anybody. You know what happens when you're running on empty? You're looking for a filling station. And you'll get that through partying, drunkenness, pornography, anything that gives you a quick fix. But when you're living on full, there's a little more you have to give. And you don't need a quick fix because you have a drive that comes from the Spirit of God. Very different. Very different. Man, go get some time. Last thing, number four. What is, what is creating the stress? Let's spend a few moments on this. 
What is creating the stress? I hope you'll write down some actual things that could create stress in your life. But I'm going to read you a passage that could be on your refrigerator right now. If it's not, it, it could be. It's a wonderful one. Some of you have memorized it. Philippians 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's already done. That's a wonderful passage in Scripture that says, I don't have to live with that worry. I need to contemplate it. I, I've often said, look, for me as a person, I'm focused, not stressed. There's a difference. I'm focused a lot of times in my day. I'm focused, but I'm not stressed. And here's another one. I'm intentional. I'm not anxious. I'm intentional. I'm not anxious. I'm focused and I'm intentional. And I encourage you to live with focus and intention and move through your day. But that doesn't mean that you're all stressed out and you're, you're so anxious you can't even, you know, drive the car home. Think about what you're doing. This is dealing with anxiety. What makes you anxious? Write it down. Make a list. I'm a list maker. Just write it down somewhere. So I get anxious when I start thinking about this or that person. What keeps you on edge? What makes you live fearful? You know, there might be some adjustments you need to make in what you watch on television. I had a funny, had a funny thing. Well, in fact, it's been long enough that you wouldn't figure out who it is. But someone, someone had a problem with having scary dreams. And, I, and, I, and I'm not a psychologist, so we, I try to refer them to people who can help them more. But I just asked the question, what do you like watch at night before you go to bed? And they said, oh, I love horror films. I said, okay, yeah, you need some therapy, that's for sure. Um, we don't even recognize sometimes the causes that we bring on ourselves. So we need, to, we need to stop and recalibrate and say, what am I doing? What am I doing? Why am I eating this? Why am I watching this? Why am I reading this? Why am I going to this place? Good grief. It always ends up the same when I go to this place. Why am I dating someone like that? Why am I feeling this way toward my spouse? Let's, let's make adjustments in our lives and in our time so that we can somehow offer three practical steps. Here we go. Number one, think. Think, think, think. Put some effort into thinking about where you really are so you can evaluate where you really are. You know, this is another really famous verse, but man, does it fit here. Philippians 4.8, right? You know this verse. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. And when you do that, all of a sudden what happens is your brain gets turned to the things of God, to the things that you can control. I can't control Washington. I don't have influence there. You know, I decided years ago that the place I'm going to put my energy is the place that I have the most influence. And, and I have a little bit of influence with our children, here in our community, with, with Timberline Church. So why don't I give my all to that? Because I, I don't have any influence with, you know, if you're worrying about something you can't really fix, 
It's just going to make you stressed out. It's going to take space in your brain. And then you're not going to be able to influence the places God has given you influence. You won't even be thinking about it anymore. So why don't you influence the places you can influence and do a really good job with that. Number two, get the facts about your time. Get the facts about your time. Where do you spend it? Make a list. Journal. I'll tell you. I've done this multiple times throughout my, my life where I'll take two weeks and I'll journal like every half an hour. And I don't mean journal like details. Just say, I went to the bank. I, I went, you know, just, just every half an hour. Now, you have to be careful if you decide to do this because you know you're journaling so you can trick yourself. Oh, I'm journaling the next two weeks, so I'm going to have devotions every day. Devotions. <laughs> Look at this, man. That's my pattern right there, baby. I got this figured out. Now, do your normal life and write it down. And then take some time in between. Take a month and go back and look at that. Where are you giving your energy? What was stressing you out? What did you do about it? Because action plans matter. These are really practical things. I believe Jesus lived like this. I think he did these things. Number three, discover what takes or gives energy to you. We're all different. Some people get energy from being around crowds. Some people get energy from sitting in front of a tree that's growing, looking at a lake, going fishing, whatever it is. You need to know what gives you energy and what takes it away from you. And then I would really encourage you to have some pauses like we're going to do right now. We have just a few moments, so don't be in a hurry. It's going to be a little different than when we started because that seemed awkward. I don't want this one to be awkward. I want you to just close your eyes. The Psalms talks a lot about meditation. And that's not creepy or weird or Eastern. It's Bible. <laughs> Maybe close your eyes. I'm going to pull this chair up. Take a deep breath. And just be still for a moment. And then I'm going to pray some prayers that I want you to just pray. Just repeat these after me. You're praying them to God, not to me. Here in just a, a few seconds, I'll say some things. And I would invite you to pray that to God. God, would you show me who I really am? Lord, do I have a need to appear busy and why? Could you help me reprioritize some things in my life? I just want to pray over you, Lord. We, uh, we need the peace of God in a culture that is running from it. May we stop. May we hear your voice again. 
And we offer our strength from solitude to others who are on empty. Fill us up today, Lord. Take us to those streams, those ponds, those refilling stations before we are dry and empty and in such great need. Help us to develop that understanding of our resource coming from you first that we might give to others. We trust you today. Lord, if anyone's separated from you right now, I just pray that they would feel comfortable inviting you to to be in their life. Just invite God into your life right now if that's you. He'll come. He'll be a part of you. You can trust him. Lord, we do this in your powerful name, and we ask you to show us the way this week. Change some of our structures so that we can be at peace and we can rest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.